you got a Bible this morning, if I can get my eyeballs dry, we're going to be in Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9 this morning. And I'm actually excited to be back in the book of Romans. Uh, if you were with us, we started a series in the book of Romans uh, actually last April. Can you believe that? And uh, we got through chapter 8 at the end of November. And then we took a break over December and uh, we preached our Christmas series. And then we preached in January on vision and clarity as we begin this new year of 2020. And this morning, I really want to get back into Romans chapter 9. So, so the game plan is that we're going we're gonna to spend three or four weeks in the book of Romans. We'll take a break. We'll spend three, three, four, five weeks. We'll take a break because we are getting into the heavy lifting, if you will, of the book of Romans. Uh, if you've ever read the book of Romans, Romans 9, 10, and 11 really are, are, are some key chapters. They're all key, but they're really key chapters as it relates to doctrine, as, as biblical Christianity. We need to understand a, a proper understanding of Romans 9, 10, and 11. And so this morning, I've entitled the message, The Burden for and the Blessing of Israel. And you may say, why in the world are we going to talk about Israel? Well, God talks about Israel. Not just in the Old Testament, he talks about it in the New Testament. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that nation, that people of who they are, what God's intention is, and, and the fact that God is certainly not done with the nation of Israel. If you want a, a, a cheat sheet, if you will, of the book of Romans, uh, maybe just write this down, it's not in your notes, but Romans chapters 1 through 8 deal with salvation. And, and we've covered those chapters in detail. Romans chapters 1 through 8 deal with the topic or the, the doctrine of salvation. We talked about sin, what sin is. We talked about salvation. We talked about sanctification. All that came, came from Romans chapter, chapters 1 through 8. And then if, if you want to just write down Romans chapter 9 through chapter 11, and the key word you want to use there is sovereignty. And we're going to talk about the nation of Israel and how God still has a purpose and a plan for the nation of Israel. God is not finished with them the church has not replaced Israel. There is a sovereign nation whom God has chosen, in whom God also has given some tremendous promises. And we're going to talk about that. And then if you want to, if you want to finish out your cheat sheet, Romans chapter 12 through chapter 16 has to do with Christian service. Christian service. So you have salvation, chapters 1 through 8. You have sovereignty, and you could say Israel's sovereignty, chapters 9 through 11. And then you have Christian service chapters 12 through 16. And the book really, the book of Romans really, in, in a very elementary way, divides up that way for us. It's an easy way to get a rough outline for the book of, of Romans. Now when you look at that outline, salvation, sin, salvation, sanctification, man, that applies to us. Christian service applies to us. But right in the middle of your outline is this thing and this teaching that God spends three chapters in the book of Romans talking about the nation of Israel. Why in the world, why in the, in the book of Romans, which is the doctrinal book for our salvation, the, the legal standing that we have in Jesus Christ, why in the world does God deal with, with the nation of Israel in the book of Romans, and, and specifically for three chapters? Well, I'm going to give you the answer. The, the reason why is because Israel is the key nation of all nations in the Word of God. Israel is the key nation of all nations in the Word of God. And, and, and listen, I know this morning, this is, this is a, again, heavy lifting, if you will, from the Word of God. I hope you came prepared to study. Because some of us this morning may be new believers, younger Christians, and I understand that. Some of us have been around for a minute and we understand some things from the Word of God. I understand that as well. No matter where you are this morning, God wants you to understand from the book of Romans that Israel still has a place and God's heart and a purpose and a plan. And, and Israel is the key nation of all nations in the Word of God. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 43 in verse 1 says this, But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by name, thou art mine. God had called out in the Old Testament a nation unlike any other nation. Not because they were special or great in number or, or because they were somehow favorable with God, but God just called out this nation. He created them and formed them and called them to be His own. And that is the nation of Israel. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah 43 and verse 15, the Bible says, I am the Lord, 
your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Your King. And, and, and many of us that have studied the Old Testament, especially uh, the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 12, God made a, made a covenant with Abraham, Abram, actually, in Genesis chapter 12, before his name was changed. And in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, it's not on the screen, but that's okay. God told Abram that I want you to go from where you are into a land that I've promised you, and I'm going to make of you a great nation. And that nation ultimately became the nation of Israel. And God promised Abram, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make you a great nation. You and your nation are going to be a blessing. Anybody that blesses you, I'll bless. And anybody that curses you, I'll what? You read it too. And God said, in thee, in that nation, shall all families of the earth be blessed. And we're going to talk about some of the blessings that we have received through the nation of Israel, okay? Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 to 8 says this, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord, God, the Lord thy God hath chosen thee, Israel, to be a, specific, a special people unto himself. Listen to this. Above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you because ye were more in number I mean, God didn't just look at all the nations and say, okay, you're the biggest, so I love you and I've chosen you to be a nation above all nations. That's not what God did. God actually says, you know what, you, you weren't more in number than all the people. You were actually the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn to your fathers, and that's the key, because God is going to keep his covenant the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. The reason that this next couple of weeks and, and this series through Romans 9, 10, and 11 is so important for us is because if we're ever going to put our Bible together properly, and I would even say if you are going to consider yourself a true Bible believer, you had better understand what God says about this nation biblically. There, there are some things that you just can't, you can't gloss over in, in the Bible, and this, is, this doctrine of Israel is one of them. And so uh, let me give you a couple of things that God's Word says about getting this issue wrong. You know, God actually has some warnings in His Word. I don't know if you've, you've ever read it. Like, God, God, God has given us warnings in His Word, like, so not everything is to be, you know, edifying and building us up sometimes God has to warn us do you understand what I'm saying so not all preaching is to make us feel good sometimes preaching actually is to warn us God's word has some specific warnings about getting Israel wrong in the Bible in other words if we don't properly understand what God has said about this nation we are at a potential of being an error and God gives some strong warning about this as a matter of fact in Romans 11 in verse 25 God says, for I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery. Well, what is the mystery that Paul is talking about? Lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And again, man, listen, if you're a, a Bible believer, if you're a Christian this morning, if you've saved and know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior... You probably are asking, why in the world are we talking about this in church, man? Tell me about Jesus. Tell me about salvation. Well, listen, it all connects together. When I got saved at 21, I showed up at a church that was a Bible-teaching, Bible-believing church, a disciple-making church, and for the first six months, the Sunday school class I went to was talking about Israel. <laughs> you remember those days. <laughs> and I was sitting there scratching my head saying, what, what does this have to do with anything? Well, it actually has a lot to do with everything. It actually has a whole lot to do with biblical prophecy and God's covenants and God's promises. So much so, listen, God says that if you get this thing about Israel wrong, number one, you can be ignorant of God's mysteries. God says that, that He is doing something certainly through His church, but God is also doing something through Israel right now. Spiritually, they are blind. But God's not done with them. God's not done with them. There's a, there's a culture of anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic 
attitude in the lost world, and there's a culture of anti-Jew, anti-Semitic attitude sometimes in churches. And I'm going to tell you something, church. You better not be ignorant of this mystery, that God has blinded Israel, but only for a season. As a matter of fact, God says, if you think that God is done with the nation of Israel, you are wise in your own conceits. In other words, you're thinking a little too much about yourself, brother, because God's not done with His chosen people. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, there's potential to be ignorant. There's a potential to be wise in our own conceit. Proverbs 26 and verse 12 says this, See, see thou a man wise in his own conceit? There's more hope of a fool than of him. God gives us strong warning concerning His people, the nation of Israel. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 9, the Bible talking to the church at Smyrna says this, He says, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich, and I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of who? And I'm telling you right now, church, listen, God has a strong teaching concerning His people, concerning His nation. The Israel doesn't replace the church. The church doesn't replace Israel. God says that there are going to be some people in these last days that say that they are Israel. And they are not. They absolutely are not. As a matter of fact, God says, here's who they are. They are of the synagogue of, of Satan. And, and can I just tell you, according to Pastor Mark Trotter, about 95% of modern Christianity would say that the church has replaced the nation of Israel. Now, not in this church, but in many churches. This is a common teaching, and we'll get into some of the heavyweight stuff in, in Romans 9, 10, and 11. Listen, you, you are getting an introduction at best this morning. But it is a common teaching that the church has replaced Israel and, and God is done with the nation of Israel. And God says, you know what, that's blasphemy. As a matter of fact, he says that that thinking is satanic. It's rooted in false doctrine. He goes on to say in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 9, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but they do lie. Behold, I will make them come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. God says that, that this teaching is not only blasphemy and not only satanic, but it is a lie. And it is from the father of lies, the devil himself. And so, here's the key principle, and again, heavyweight lifting, man, for the next couple of weeks. So if you're not, if you're not used to some deeper things in the book, uh, praise the Lord, you're going to get exposure the next few weeks. Here's a key principle that you've got to get, and we have to get as Bible believers. When we lose Israel in our Bible... We lose our bearing on Bible doctrine. Write that down. When we lose Israel and the Bible, we lose our bearing on Bible doctrine. And here's, here's what I mean by that statement. The verse on the screen is 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 32. God says, Give none offense neither to the Jew, nor to the Gentile, nor to the what? To the church of God. And, I, and, and some of you, again, you may be newer to our church or newer Christians. When God wrote His Bible, God wrote all of it to address three people groups. And only three people groups. There are only three people groups that exist on this planet. Jews, Gentiles, which are people that are not Jews, and the church. And the church is the Jew or the Gentile that is, put their faith and trust in Christ, the saved people. Does that make sense? And there's only three. You say, well, man, there's so many different nations and cultures and languages and countries, and we talk about them regularly in this church. There are, but there are only three. Jews, Gentiles, and those of which that are of either that have come to Christ as Lord and Savior, and that's it. And don't you like the simplicity of that? Because... Three is a lot easier to memorize than however many hundred of nations there are on this planet. They're either Jewish nations, Gentile nations, or, or they're part of the church. And, and you have to understand, and we have to understand, that all of the Bible is for us. 
But not all of the Bible is written directly to us. Does that make sense? That's a key principle of Bible study. And if you don't get that right, well, you'll never get your Bible right. And most of the false doctrine and most of the false teaching in our culture of Christianity comes from, from a misunderstanding and, a, and a, a misapplication of Scripture from one of those people groups to another. If you start applying what God said to, to Israel to you specifically, as in the covenants and the promises and some of those things, you're reading somebody else's mail. And it doesn't work that way. And, and, and I'll also say that, that God has written portions of this Scripture directly to the church of Jesus Christ. And those are things that are directly to the body of believers. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't study all the Bible. It doesn't mean that all the Bible is not for you. It is for you. But listen, there are some things that are certainly not to you, literally speaking. And you have to make those divisions properly. And so what you believe about the Bible, and I'll say what you believe about what the Bible says about this nation, the nation of Israel, well, that's going to have an influence on what you believe about human government. It'll have an influence about what you believe on politics. And we don't preach on politics only as it relates to the Bible. We preach on, on politics. Does that make sense? But your opinion and view of, of a biblical understanding of Israel will influence your belief system in politics. It will even affect the agenda of your religious association or affiliation. In other words, if you believe the church has replaced Israel, then you're going to claim all of her promises. Well, you've got to be careful because you may be saying that you're somebody you're not. The church is not the Jews. And the Jews are not the church. And anyone that comes to Christ, whether Jew or Gentile, are saved. They're born again. They're part of the body of Christ. And so, and so this morning, by way of introduction, we're going to get into Romans chapter 9 and, uh, and, and, and begin to unpack this, what I will call probably one of the most critical studies we've done up to this point in this church concerning what God's Word says about the nation of Israel, past, present, and future. And so with that being said, Romans chapter 9, if you'll turn in your Bible real quick, Romans chapter 9, verses 1 to 5, the verses aren't on the screen as, as the entire text, and so just read it through the, the scriptures with me. Romans 9 and verse 1 says this, Paul writes and he says, I say the truth in, in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren. My kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises, whose are the fathers and of whom concerning the flesh, Christ came, who was over all. God blessed forever. Amen. This morning we're going to talk about Paul's burden to and the blessings of the nation of Israel. Let's pray and get started. Father, again, we thank you for the, the time. We thank you for your word. God, we want to be good stewards uh, of your word. We want to cautiously approach it and we want to rightly divide it according to the proper rules of Bible study that you've given us within the word of God itself so that we can gain proper understanding. Father, we don't want to approach your book ever with human wisdom or human academic processes. God, it's a spiritually discerned book. And so, Lord, give us the understanding this morning that we need, and may you bless your church. We, we need you, Father. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. A couple of points. Two points this morning, we're done. Number one, I want to show you Paul's burden for the nation of Israel. Paul's burden for the nation of Israel. And, and Paul begins, again, this, this section of the book of Romans after dealing with salvation or sin, salvation, sanctification. In Romans chapter 1 through 8, Paul now turns his, his focus in this epistle to the nation of Israel and he begins talking and expressing his burden for Israel. He has great heaviness, he has continual sorrow in his heart, and he spells it out I, I'm, I'm broken and burdened for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh the Israelites. You do know that Paul himself was a Jew, right? 
You do know that? Paul, Paul was of the tribe of Benjamin. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 5 tells us that he was, he was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As touching the law, he was a Pharisee. He wasn't just, you know, your, you know, he, he wasn't just your average Jew, if there is such a thing. He was actually a religious leader amongst the Jews. He, he sat at Gamaliel's feet. And many of you know his story. In Acts chapter 9, on his, on his way to persecute Christians, the Lord Jesus Christ himself revealed himself to Paul on the Damascus road. And, and it changed his life. It, it, it wrecked his life, but it, but it saved his life. And this religious Jew now became a believer and a follower of Christ. And God used him mightily to reach Gentile nations with the gospel. And certainly he won a lot of, of, of his own brethren to Christ as well. He would always go into an area and the first place he would go would be into the synagogue. If you've read the book of Acts, Paul would go into an area and if there was a Jewish synagogue, the first place he would go would be into the synagogue and begin to preach the gospel because he had a heart for his people. What's interesting is his, his own people, the Jews, turn against him. And, and we, we get this from his life when we read about the, the persecution that Paul suffered as a, as a minister of the gospel. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 24, of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. You might want to do the math on that. How many stripes did he receive specifically of the, of the Jews? Five times he received 40 stripes, save one. So, so five times 40 is 200 minus the five is 195. 195 stripes. From who? From his people. From his brethren. From his kinsmen. It goes on in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 14, and when Paul writes to the Thessalonians, he says, you know what? You're suffering some things of your own countrymen, even as other churches have suffered of the Jews. In other words, these Jewish people that rejected the gospel became persecutors of the Christian church. And Paul, who was a Pharisee, who was a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin, now was a follower of Jesus Christ, and was persecuted by his own people. Where are you going with this, Jay? Well, I'm, I want to help you understand that Paul still had a burden for his people to get saved. Listen, I don't, I don't know who's persecuted you since you've been a Christian. Somebody has. If you've walked godly in Christ Jesus, you've experienced suffering and persecution. What was your attitude toward those people that persecuted you? Did you have a burden for them to come to Christ? Or did you have a burden for God to execute His righteous judgment against them? Paul's burden was, I want Israel saved. I want Israel saved. I mean, he, he could identify with them because he was them. Does that make sense? Listen, he was a blind, religious, zealous Pharisee. And then God miraculously saved him on the Damascus road. And now his heart was not hard toward the people of his own people, listen, and now the people that were against him, but his heart was burdened and, and, and sorrowful that they ultimately would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And, and listen, if you're saved in this room this morning, you are to have a burden on your heart, a heaviness in your soul, and a sorrow that is continual for those that don't know Jesus Christ. You know, I think sometimes we lose our burden for the lost once we get saved. And we don't realize that without the gospel, we will suffer the same eternal consequence and condemnation that any lost people will by rejecting Christ. That, we were that close to experiencing the wrath of God on our life for all of eternity. But then somebody brought the gospel. We heard it in a sermon. We heard it through a tract. We heard it through somebody preaching and asking us questions and sharing what Christ said. And listen, when you get saved, you should never lose your burden for the lost. Paul's burden was for his flesh and blood Jews. I'm broken. Man, I remember when I got saved, you know, my heart immediately was broken for the salvation of those in my family, for those that were, were close to me personally, for my friends in school and in college, guys I played ball with. Your heart should be heavy. It, it should be continually heavy, and sorrowful. 
because without Christ there is no hope. And God ought to, God ought to impress upon us such a heaviness that our heart is continually before the Lord, beseeching Him on behalf of the lost. You know, every saved person, I think, gets saved because somebody has prayed for that person. There's people that go to the throne of grace and beg God for the souls of men. And I think that's how God moves. And sometimes we get so busy in church world that we forget we're, we're to be burdened with the burden of the lost. If you're saved today, God didn't give you your salvation so you can just skate through life being thankful that you got it. God actually wants you to be burdened for those that don't know yet. But I'll also say this, so we can learn a lot from Paul. We learn a lot about his, his burden and his sorrow, but I also want to communicate this principle. Look, there's a key, key ministry key that we have to get. Just because you have a burden for someone, it doesn't necessarily equate to a calling. And so here's the key. Look, a burden is not a calling. Paul's burden, and, and, and let me just get you to fill that blank in because you've got more blanks to fill in. Look, a burden for a people group, a, a, a location, a burden for, for those that are not saved yet and they're part of your kinsmen or your flesh, a burden does not equate biblically to a calling. What was Paul's burden? Paul's burden was that Israel would be saved. That was his burden. That was on his heart continually. As a matter of fact, we see it in the very next chapter. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 1, Paul says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Do you see that? I mean, listen, there's not... Every one of Paul's epistles, he always mentions that he's praying. He's praying for these Christians, these churches, these believers. He's praying for Timothy. He's praying for all his ministry partners. But he's continually praying for Israel that they would be saved. But a burden is not the same as a calling. And some of you young leaders need to listen to this point. Paul's calling was to be an apostle to the Gentiles. Paul's calling by God was to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And, and we see this all through Scripture, but I'm going to give you 1 Timothy 2 and 2 Timothy 1. Paul says, Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle, I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of who? Now, now we already established there's only three people groups, the Jews, the Gentiles, and, and the church. Paul's burden was for who? But Paul's calling was to who? To the Gentiles. And, and I, and I want to make sure you see the difference. You would have a burden for every lost person you know. But just because you have a burden for them doesn't mean that not God is going to call you specifically to them. As a matter of fact, God's, God's calling on Paul's life was so specific I believe he had three spiritual gifts based on this passage. He was a preacher, he was an apostle, he was a teacher. But it was specifically to those Gentiles that were not, that were not the Jew. As a matter of fact, in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 11, he says, Whereto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. You know, we, we have the opportunity several times to, to go like on mission trips and stuff at our church, and I'm thankful for that, something that you should take advantage of if you have the opportunity. And it's not uncommon, and coming from a church that, that certainly supported missions and, and afforded many more opportunities to go on mission trips, it is not uncommon to go to a place in the world that is poverty-stricken and spiritually poor because there aren't churches on every corner and there's no sound teaching, and listen, it's, it's very easy to be exposed to an environment that's different than what you're used to, and all of a sudden say, man, I am so burdened for this people group, because they don't know what they don't know. They don't know Christ, they don't know about discipleship, they don't know how to put their Bible together, they're, they're spiritually weak and frail, and I got such a burden, and we should have that, by the way. But just because the burden is in your heart for something like that or a people group, and by the way, you can have that same burden here. I had a burden. Listen, when I got saved, I've got to share the story. When I got saved, I was already living in North Alabama. God had moved my family uh, my junior year of high school from South Alabama, from what I call L.A., Lower Alabama, 
So when people ask where I'm from, I tell them I'm from L.A. Oh, California. No, I'm from lower Alabama. It didn't take long, by the way, when they start talking to me. Oh, yeah, I can tell. You're definitely, you're like a high-tech redneck. Okay, so anyways, God moved our family from, from South Alabama to North Alabama. I get saved in college. And again, man, my initial burden is for my family back home and for churches back home and for all the kids that for 11 and a half years I went to high school with and played ball with and my cousins and all these different things, man. So much so that even after I got connected to a church and got discipled and got trained, man, I wanted to go there and pastor a church and serve in ministry and, and, and tell those people, man, this is what it's all about. I had a burden. As a matter of fact, God actually, uh, I think, gave me a test because there was an opportunity for me to go uh, become a student pastor at one of those churches uh, down in South Alabama. And I brought that to my pastor, and I brought it to the, the men that were discipling me and, and leading me, and, uh, and they kind of just said, you're not ready. You're not ready to do that. <laughs> what do you mean I'm not ready? <laughs> I wasn't ready. I had a burden. What I didn't have was a calling. Does that make sense? Paul had a specific set of skills that God gave him to minister to a specific segment of people. Not that we don't minister to all people, but God's calling specifically was to the Gentiles. I think if you study the book of Acts, you find that Paul struggled with that burden and his calling just like many times we do. Paul understood that he was to go to the Gentile, but many times you see his heart pulling him back to Jerusalem. Especially when you get into Acts chapter 21 and 22 where he's just driving to get back to Jerusalem. And actually God uses some people in his life to warn him, don't go back to Jerusalem. If you go back to Jerusalem, they're going to put you in prison. His burden got ahead of his, his calling. And I think many times the same thing happens for us. Listen, and, and, and I just want to, as young leaders, many of you in this church are going to have a burden. You're going to have a burden for people that are close to you. You're going to have a burden for your, your, your kindred according to the flesh. You're going to have a burden for your home, for your town, for, for those that maybe God caused you to leave and, and now God brought you here and immediately your heart goes back to those people. And listen, it should and you should pray and have continual sorrowness for them. But that doesn't equate to the fact that God has gifted and called you to those people. Does that make sense? You better figure out what God has called you to do. And Paul had very clear instruction from God. This is what I gifted you and called you to do. Now Paul says that burden was so severe in his life that Paul says this, For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Listen, if you don't understand what Paul just said in that statement, Paul just said, I could wish my burden and heaviness for Israel is so deep and real that I could wish that I were accursed so that they would get saved. Now, now listen, only, only a saved man can say that because the saved man knows that he, that's not possible. It's, not, it's impossible. Let me also say, when you study the Bible, there was another, I mean, look, can you imagine what kind of, what kind of burden Paul had? To, to li and, and again, Paul knows that that's an impossibility. He, know he's, he knows he can't lose his salvation. He knows that he can't atone for the sin of the nation of Israel. He's not trying to be Jesus Christ. What he's trying to do is emphasize his burden. He says, I could wish that I was accursed. There was another leader back in the book of Exodus named Moses. And Moses loved his people so much and he loved God so much that he wasn't willing to forsake his people even when they rebelled against God. In Exodus 32, you know, there was this whole thing where, where Aaron made the, the golden calf and, you know, Moses is up in the mountain getting the Ten Commandments. Aaron and the nation of Israel are worshiping this golden calf. They've already turned themselves over to idolatry. And God says, okay, I'm going to take care of this. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy them because they're, they're rebelling against me. And Moses intercedes on their behalf. Exodus 32 and verse 30, it says, It came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, Ye have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up to the Lord peradventure. I shall make atonement for your sin." And Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made gods of gold. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive thy sin 
And if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. Are you kidding me? What a burden. Now, now most of us don't have the kind of burden for the lost or, or for those that are backslidden against God because we say, well, you got what's coming to you, buddy. You're going to rebel against God, you can suffer the consequences of that. I'm just telling you, there's, there's something to be learned about how to do ministry from Paul and Moses. As a matter of fact, if you start coming on Wednesday night, we're going to start looking at the life of Moses because we need to learn how to do ministry the way, the way God's ministers do ministry. And one of which is they have a burden for their people. So, so Paul had this burden for Israel so much so it wasn't possible for him to, to take Israel's place and, and somehow to, to leverage God to save them. But I'll tell you that there was one man that became accursed for them. His name was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ became accursed for Israel, and he became accursed for us. What Paul couldn't do in his human power, Christ did in his divine power. The Bible says in Galatians 3 and verse 13 that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Christ did become accursed for our sin. Christ is the one that could reconcile and, 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 and literally atone for our sin. And, and listen, friend, if you have never received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, He is the only one in His divine power that could become the curse that you deserve. He could take that curse upon Him because of the consequence of your sin. And He can set you free and make you completely washed and forgiven and clean. But only He can do that. Paul can't do it. Moses can't do it. I can't do it. Cody can't do it. Only Christ. Only Christ can do that in your heart and life. And so we see Paul's burden for his people. And we ought to have a burden for people. Amen? And let, me, let me shift gears because we, we need to hurry. You're not listening fast enough this morning. Look, the second thing is, I want, to, I want you to see the blessings of Israel. And we're going we're gonna to hit this pretty quick. But I want you to understand that because of this people, because of this nation, we have been blessed. You say, man, I don't know anything about Israel. Well, you're fixing to find out <laughs> how blessed we are because of what God has done in and through this people group. The Bible says in, in Romans chapter 9, verses 4 to 5, it says, To whom, these Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises, whose are the fathers and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God bless forever. Amen. God, God's going to remind His audience in the book of Romans, and God wants to remind us that because of this people group, man, we are tremendously blessed. Number one, the Bible says that Israel had the blessing of the adoption, and the adoption goes in your blank. No other nation, and we kind of mentioned this earlier, no other nation was created by God, called by God, set apart by God like the nation of Israel. No other nation. As a matter of fact, Exodus chapter 4 in verse 22 says, uh, talking to Moses uh, to speak to Pharaoh, he says, Thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my, what? My son, even my firstborn. Th this shows you how God thinks about this people group, this nation of Israel. Deuteronomy 14 and verse 2, he says this, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee, Israel, to be a peculiar people unto himself. Listen to this. Above all the nations that are upon the earth. You say, well, I don't like that politically. Well, you don't have to like it politically. It's what the Bible says. It doesn't matter if you like it or not. It doesn't matter if you like it or not. This is what God has said concerning this people. They, they were adopted by Him. Why? Because He chose them. And through them, God's plan was to, to bring God's Word to all people. That, that, that they would reflect the glory of God to all nations. We know that they certainly had their issues. But, that, but God's not done. By the way, you got your issues. Amen? If you don't think you do, come see me. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've found a few of them. <laughs> Just like you have of me. And we'll all work it out together. And then we'll realize that despite our issues, God still wants to use us. Amen. God has adopted them. Number two, listen, they had the glory. 
And, and when, when Paul says that, that this part of the blessing, man, they experience the glory, what he's talking about is in the Old Testament, literally the visible manifestation of God's glory appeared to Israel over and over and over again. You see it in Exodus 16 and verse 10. The Bible says it came to pass and Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of, of the children of Israel and they looked toward the wilderness and behold the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. This nation saw God's glory. I mean listen when they came out of Egypt they had the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night when, when God instructed them to build the tabernacle, the glory of God came down and inhabited that place. And it was visible. There was no other nation that God was doing that to. And there's no other nation that God is going to do that to. In Exodus 40, talking about the tabernacle, verse 34 and 35, the Bible says a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the, ta- of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Man, this nation was adopted by God as his firstborn son. This nation experienced God's glory visibly, firsthand. They saw it. Number three, listen, they had the covenants. And, and we don't have the time this morning. But, but God has made some covenants with this nation that are unconditional. They, they are absolutely unconditional. They're not dependent on whether or not Israel does a good job or not whether they're pleasing to God, God has just made some promises and covenants, some of which are absolutely unconditional. Oh, and by the way, they are absolutely eternal. Exodus 2 and verse 24, God heard their groanings and God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. What was part of that covenant? Well, it was a nation, it was a land, it was a people, God made a covenant that, that with the nation of Israel that from David forward there will never cease to be a man on the throne of David ruling over Israel. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 18. No other nation God did that to. No other nation God did that to. God gave them the law, the giving of the law. That pertains to Israel. This is literally God giving His word to a nation. Do you, do you, do you listen, you can't It's hard for you as an American to even understand what I'm saying right now, an American Christian. Because you can go anywhere, you can download your Bible app, you you can have accessibility to God's Scripture anywhere, anytime, any day. But listen, God gave His law, His written Word, to one nation, the nation of Israel. Exodus 24 and verse 12, the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mount and be there and I will give thee tables of stone and a law and commandments which I have written that thou mayest teach them. And not only did we get the law, the Ten Commandments from God, but Romans chapter 3 verses 1 and 2, and I don't have it on the screen. You want to write down Romans 3 verses 1 and 2. Earlier in Romans, we studied Romans chapter 3 and, and Paul asked kind of this thought-provoking question. What advantage then hath the Jew... Romans 3 and verse 1. Or what profit is there of the circumcision? He's talking about the physical Jew, not the spiritual Jew that, that saved in Christ. He's talking about literally the physical seed of Israel. What's the point? Well, they have a lot of advantage, number one, because unto them were committed the oracles of God. Here's my point. God didn't just give the Ten Commandments to the, to the Jew in the Old Testament. He gave all of Scripture to the Jew. So the reason that you're sitting there with the Bible today is because God used a nation, God used a people group, God used a Jew, because unto them were committed the oracles of God. As a matter of fact, without, without the Jew, you don't have a Bible. You see how Israel's blessing has carried over into your blessing? Do you understand that? Man, listen. Do you realize the advantage and the blessing that we have of God's Word? It gives us access to God's character. It gives us access to His promises for our life. It gives us access to His blessing. It is His treasure. It's how we know God. Do you realize that without that, that that you will not have the capacity 
to fully understand who God is and what he requires of you. Number next is he gave them the service of God. He gave Israel the service of God. And specifically, what he's talking about is the Levitical service of God. In other words, the the entire Levitical system of offerings and sacrifices and and the priest and Aaron's sons and the clothing and the tabernacle. In Exodus 36 and verse 3, it says, They received of Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of the sanctuary. There was only one nation who was called and given instruction and equipped to offer sacrifices to the one true God. It was the nation of Israel. They had the priesthood. They had the sons of Aaron. They built the tabernacle. They were given the instruments that go into that tabernacle and later on into the temple. They had the Ark of the Covenant. They had the altar. They performed the burnt offerings. It was one nation. As the nation of Israel. And then they were given promises, and we've got to hurry, but listen, God has not only given covenants to the nation of Israel, but He's given promises to them. Romans 15 echoes this, that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto who? And, and, and listen, I don't have time this morning, but if you were to just take the time and study your Bible and figure out what God's covenants are and what God's promises are to those people well, you would, that would be a valuable study. Number next is, they were given the fathers. And literally, this would have been the Jewish fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the 12 tribes. God is, has given them. You see that phrase all used many times in the New Testament as Paul is calling remembrance back to the Jewish fathers. And here's where we need to land. From them, from this nation. God gave us Jesus Christ. God gave us Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Romans chapter 9 and verse 5, and of whom, the Jew, of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came. And and I know you may have the last blank, but don't check out on me just yet. Listen. Listen. The greatest gift and the greatest blessing is that we have a Jewish Savior. We have a Jewish Redeemer according to the flesh. And 1 Timothy, probably a shocker to some people in Christian circles today, but Jesus Christ was not an American. He's not a Republican, not a gun owner. Okay, do you understand me? Listen, He was born of the seed of David. 1 Timothy 3 and verse 16 says, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. God came in the flesh. And He came through the lineage of the nation of Israel. Romans 1 and verse 3 says, Concerning His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. He's of the seed of David. Christ came in the flesh. It is God in the flesh. If Jesus Christ is not God in the flesh, then He's not God. And your salvation is null and void. It doesn't matter. You don't, you're not saved. If that was not God that died for your sin on that cross. Listen, He came in the flesh as God. He died as God. He resurrected as God. He never ceased to be God. And there are some in our religious circles that would deny the deity of Jesus Christ. They would say, oh yeah, He absolutely was Jewish and of that lineage, but He certainly was not God. Well, 1 John has a word for you. 1 John chapter 4, verses 2-3 to says this, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. You want to cut to the chase with a, with a religious group knocking on your door? <laughs> or, or cut to the chase in a religious conversation with your coworker? The question on the table is, is Jesus Christ God in the flesh? Yes or no? Is He or not? And if, and if the answer is no, God says that the spirit behind that statement is not of God. 
As a matter of fact, the spirit behind that statement is the spirit of anti-Christ. You say, why is that such a big deal? Because, because Jesus Christ is the greatest blessing that God gave through the nation of Israel. And man, we, we just a bunch of bacon-eating Gentiles in Huntsville, Alabama that get to partake of that. You know, you know and, and I'll wind it down because I know we're out of time, but when you look at that list of, of blessings that Israel had, number one, they were tremendously blessed, and they still are. And, and they're under God's judgment, and they're going to continue to be under God's judgment, and God's going to restore them, and we're going to get all that a little bit later. But when I read through that list of things that, that they had access to, the covenants, the promises, the service of God, the Word of God, Jesus Christ, there should have been no excuse for them. And the reality is we have access to pretty much a lot of those blessings. We have promises of God that are, that are to the church and to our individual life as believers in Christ. We have access to God's Word. Amen. We have access to Jesus Christ. I think we need to realize how accountable we really are. I think we need to realize God has tremendously blessed even us who aren't Israelites, who aren't <laughs> part of the 12 tribes. Man, we're just a bunch of saved folks in Huntsville trying to figure it out together. And I'm thankful for that, but we have been tremendously blessed. I'm thankful when I read Romans chapter 9 that the blessings of Israel, as God said in Genesis chapter 12, have truly been a blessing to us. They truly have. Now we're accountable for what we do with those things. We need to be accountable, and and we will be accountable. And just like Israel is going to have to answer for what they had and and how they knew God, we're going to have to answer for what we have and how we know God and what we do with it. And ultimately, uh, I think as we work through this, this series, God's going to give us some tremendous practical application, all right? We're out of time. I need another hour. I told, uh, I think it was Chris yesterday, I was like, I, I need to figure out how to get an hour and a half sermon into 45 minutes. And uh, I think I landed right on 45, 50 minutes, so I think we're, we're good. So uh, as we pray, I just want you to be thankful for what we have. I want you to be reminded what we have. God used a tremendous nation to, to bring some tremendous blessing on us. And sometimes we forget that. We don't want to be ignorant of that. We don't want to be making ourselves something that we're not. At the end of the day, I just want us to be thankful. Amen. So let's pray and we'll dismiss. Father, again, we thank you for your word.